This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. Reachingthefinishline.com. And welcome. Today, I am delighted to have Dr. Mark Goulston. He is a prominent psychiatrist and consultant uh, to major organizations. Uh, his book, Just Listen, uh, ranked number one uh, and has been translated into 14 languages. Uh, also reached number one in places like Munich and Shanghai. Uh, Dr. Mark has appeared on Oprah, The Today Show, Phil Donahue, CNN, and he also uh, blogs for the Huffington Post, Psychology Today, among others. He's written many other books and happy to have him with us. Dr. Mark, welcome. Well, I'm glad to be here. I have to update my bragging rights. It's 17 languages and, uh, uh, and actually I'm blogging for, the, for business journals, which goes to 43 city business journals. So I've I'm putting out any of my crazy ideas to business journals, and they're crazy enough to publish them. So it's a good marriage so far. Indeed, indeed, and uh, and you definitely, uh, you know, has written uh, many great books, and uh, you're very prominent in your field. You're very well read. Let's go back in time, Doctor Mark. Uh, you know, you know, kind of where did it start? You know, you know, how did you kind of stumble uh, upon, uh, you know, your love for psychiatry and really connecting with people? So how upfront and personal do you like these things to be? Well, let, let's get into it. Well, um, I went to medical school, and I hit a wall in medical school. And uh, I, it probably was untreated depression. And I took a leave of absence because what was happening is I was highlighting. I was reading, but I couldn't retrieve what I was reading. And I had my books were all highlighted yellow, and I thought that I'd be able to hold on to the information. So I took a leave of absence, and I didn't do anything in medicine. I just wanted to rest my brain. And then I came back after a year, and, uh, and then what happened is that within three months, it happened again. Mm. And so uh, the medical school wanted to cut their losses with me. I mean, I would have cut my losses with me because they lost matching funds if someone took a leave of absence. And I wasn't failing by some miracle, uh, but I was, uh, but I just wasn't able to sort of function. And so there was a moment, and, and, and I was a fairly sarcastic and cynical person, total defense mechanism, totally, you know, I can see now it wasn't who I was, but it was kind of a way of keeping distant from people. And, and then what happened is uh, uh, the head of the medical school wanted to uh, kick me out. They couldn't kick me out. So he sent a letter to the dean. I told you it was upfront and personal. But, and, and so the dean of students cares about students as opposed to the bottom line. And the uh, dean of students called me and said, uh, and he had an Irish accent, and he said, Mark, you better get in here. I got a letter from the other dean. We got re- to read this together, Mark. This was in Boston, the medical school. Yeah. So I, so I love I the Boston there. accent. <laughs> yeah, well, I am from Boston, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
but uh, so I get in there and I read the letter and, and the leader letters from the dean of the whole school, mm-hmm. and he says I've met with Mr. Goulston, mm-hmm. and we, we talked about alternate careers, perhaps the cello. I have no memory of that. So I'm advising the promotions committee that he be asked to withdraw. They couldn't kick me out because I was passing, but I could see, I could understand it. You know, I, right. I wouldn't have invested in me. I mean, if I was a angel investor, a VC, I would have cut my losses on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened is the dean of students um, saw something, mm-hmm. and and uh, when he, and when I read the letter, uh, I was in that sort of stuck state, and he uh, uh, and I said, uh, "What does this mean?" And and his name was William McNary, the dean of students, and we called him Mac. And I mm-hmm. said, "What does this mean, Mac?" And he said, "He said, Mac, you've been kicked out." And and what was fascinating is uh, it felt like a, a gunshot wound uh, to the abdomen. And I know what that feels like because I had a perforated colon a few years ago and I almost died. And it's like it just and what was amazing about it is I was too stunned uh, to come back with anything sarcastic or, or saying they can't do that to me. I passed everything. Yeah. And it was my good fortune also to not come back as pathetic and saying, oh, what am I going to do? And and what happened is I, it, it's like I felt a gunshot wound. And then within about 20 seconds, I felt something wet on my cheeks. And I started looking at my fingers, rubbing it. Mm. And I thought it was blood, but it was tears. Uh. And he saw something, I think, in that raw, vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. And I came from a background that was good parents, but a bit on the ca- uh, the critical side, that your only worth in life is what you produce, what you do. And so I'd reached a point where I didn't think I was capable of producing anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know that kind of mindset, but imagine you're oh, at well, this well, low well, If I could cut in right here, uh, 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 Dr. Goulston. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, that is something that I still uh, struggle with from time to time. Um, you know, you know the, you know, for the 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 book, uh, the show, uh, all the all the publications, like yourself. You know, I'm I'm kind of I'm not I'm not as probably well read as you are, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, I I, I do kind of have my own niche and I have been uh, you know doing quite well in. But I do suffer that kind of same thing from time to time. As far as you are what you produce, and if you don't achieve this status, or if you're not constantly working towards this or that, that uh, that I guess. You know, I guess uh, I feel like uh, I, I guess there's a, like a void, you know. So, I mean, I, you know, to, to say the least, I can definitely relate to that. Good. So I'm going to finish this story. I'm going to segue to something that I didn't even think I was going to talk about. But you're, you're going to like it. And your listeners, the ones who haven't tuned me out because this is too woo-woo for them, <laughs> uh, will want to stay tuned for what I talk about after I finish this. So what happens is there I am, and I'm, I'm ostensibly broke. And so imagine hearing this when all you think that your worth is is what you produce. And if you're not producing anything, you're worthless. And he looked at me and he said, Mark, um, uh, you, uh, you didn't screw up because you're passing everything. Mm-hmm. But you are screwed up. But if you got unscrewed up, I have a feeling that this school would one day be glad they gave you a second chance. And so what happens is the, that bleeding I felt was on my cheeks. I just start to, cr- I just cry from his kindness. I can almost feel it now. And then he says, and Mark, 
even if you don't get unscrewed up, even if you don't become a, uh, uh, even if you don't become a doctor, even if you don't do another thing the rest of your life, which is what I thought I was capable of, he says, I'd be proud to know you. And he, and he said, because you have a streak of goodness in you that the world needs more than you can imagine. Uh, and it's not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. And you won't know how valuable that is until you're 35. But you have to make it till you're 35. And then I couldn't even look at him because this was just too, this was just too kind. And then he said, look at me. Look at me. And he pointed his finger at me and he said, you deserve to be on this planet and you're going to let me help you. Start with a free audiobook. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time, but you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. And so wow. he, yeah, so he set up an appeal, and he was just an anatomy instructor, and he had to set up an appeal to the promotions committee to override the most powerful person in the, in the, at the medical school, telling them, and these are the heads of hospitals, that they should kick me out. And so some a switch happened inside me. It just uh, something happened inside me, and so uh, I didn't realize it, but I think ever since then. And I've, I've led my whole life paying it forward. And I have no choice. Uh, and what I really do now is I mentor probably 25, 30 uh, young people, number of millennials, uh, uh, to pay it forward. And what I've discovered, I'm a baby boomer, so if any baby boomers are listening to this, I doubt it. But if you want to be relevant, be generous with your your insight, not old war stories, but with your insights about business, if you have money with your money and with your contacts. I make three introductions a day. Wow. And, and what's happened is I'm highly relevant to millennials because of that. And I try not to bore them with old war stories. I mean, I'll share something that I didn't mean to share that I shared with you, but you asked me. But no, here, I'm glad but, you did. Well, I'm glad to. But here's the thing I didn't think I was going to bring up, and then we can get into. Uh, and so, what happened is, by the way, that dean listened into me. He listened into me for what was going on that I couldn't even put into words. And so, that's what I've done. So, my book, Just Listen, is how do you listen into people, and how do you, uh, by doing that, get them to open up? And uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and I think that's what we. Sh- I think that's what a lot of people struggle with nowadays. Uh, Doctor Goulston is uh, many people have a hard time listening. They may they may think that they're listening, but they're actually not. Uh, a lot of times, people they get caught up in you know they're they're, they're partially listening, but they're trying to set themselves up for what they want to sell the next person, as opposed to as opposed to really projecting what. Getting their point across to the person to make to, to, so, so the person could give more attention to their points, as opposed to really being more conscious to what the other person is trying to express to them. Absolutely. In fact, I, I, I'm going to give you 
a pearl, which I hope you see as a pearl. Uh, so I do executive coaching, uh, growth companies, CEOs, entrepreneurs, uh, mentor a lot of people. And I'm coaching a high producer at a uh, financial company. And uh, he's in his early 60s. And, and a, there is a generation gap between millennials and people who are older. And he, and, and he told me something. And he said, I've been trying to figure out I'm speaking as him. He said, I'm trying to figure out my issue with millennials. And he said, I figured it out. Millennials listen, but they don't hear. <laughs> and, and, and he said, I recognize it because I've been doing it for 30 years and I get away with it because I get great results. But you know, it, it's, it's, it's old, it's rude, it's yeah. impatient. And he says, but I've seen it so clearly and the listen, uh, but they don't hear what's not being said. They don't hear what's underneath what the person's saying, and then they jump in with a premature answer before they've actually heard the entire problem that really needs to be solved. And he said, having seen it in millennials and recognized it himself, he has switched, and he's very successful, and he says, people are just throwing business at him he said it's unbelievable that when you can not just listen but hear the other person when so many people in the world are feeling unheard they, they just collapse into it they, they like and, and i'll give you an example so here's the difference between listening to and listening into someone mm -hmm. i'm going to do it with you okay because it's, it's better to show than to tell right so if i so if i'm listening to you uh, you're asking me questions. You teed it up. You know, tell us about your background. How is it that you came to do what you're doing? Yada yada yada. And I've been answering them, and I was able to tell my little my tale of woe from way back when. Uh -huh. uh, uh, you enter. You you, you you stop me to share that I was okay telling my tale of woe when you actually shared some of your own. Uh, you know, internal challenges that you're determined to overcome. So that's listening to you. But if I listen into you, and tell me how this feels different. If I listen into you, what I pick up is what you're doing, including this radio show, is it's a calling for you. It's not just I'm going to close more business. And sure, you want to be successful, but there is something calling out to you that you have to do. And I think one of the things is you're, it's very important that you be worthy of the trust and confidence of your listeners. So you're always trying to bring them value that they, that can inspire them or give them tips that they can use today to make their lives better. And I'm guessing you've had some interviews with some experts who were just so boring and full of crap that you thought to yourself, uh, I, I don't think I can broadcast this thing. I mean, I, I, I can't do this. I got to protect my audience. And how do I get out of it? So, so, but, but I'm just guessing that some of that might be going on. Is any of that true? Oh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you are absolutely right to the letter. Uh, yeah, definitely have to say, uh, fortunately, um, 
you know, the position, I, the relationship I have uh, with uh, the radio station is I get to pre-record my episodes and then send it to the station later. So in a way, I can protect my audience from suffering from a bad guest. You know, if I, if I have a guest on, as you Absolutely. stated, as you stated, if they're rambling on and they're just not really giving value uh, to it, then I have control not to air that. And I hate to do that to them, but at the same time, I really care about my audience because they trust me, uh, and they and, and they look to me as a resource to get uh, a very uh, inspiring and motivational, uh, you know, uh, content. Uh, so 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 yeah, so definitely, uh, I'm uh, that works in my favor, and uh, and basically again, everything you said, absolutely. And and and, and here's uh, and the reason you laughed when I said that was it kind of took us off script but it was you felt not just understood but what my book just listens about is the real value added thing in life is to help other people feel felt not just understood because when another person feels felt and you're not going to do a bait and switch on them and you're not going to uh use it uh to manipulate them people collapse into it and one of the reasons I think you laughed is because it was so accurate that that it was it was almost a ticklishly fun. It's, it's like you went, "Wow, how would you know that?" Yeah. And you, just, and, and, and you took delight in it, and it and it made our interview more real time, not just informational exchange, but we're having this conversation in front of your audience, and it's and it's real. Yeah. Um, a absolutely, and uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and I mean, obviously, you're a professional, and you've been doing this for for for, for so long that uh, I mean, for you, it's just it's just instinctual. You could just pick up these cues uh, from people, and uh, and so again, very happy uh, uh, to have you to have you with us. Kind of, kind of kind of going on it kind of also when you said it kind of ties in to that what you call and just listen kind of the um, mirror to norine gap mm -hmm. yeah let's talk about that a little bit yeah so so uh, so i'm a neuroscientist but i i'm much more of an empirical uh scientist which means i'm not big data i'm what i observe and what i experience uh, informs how I kind of understand the world, and and uh, that's not for everybody. But you know, when you've been doing it 40 years, and sometimes what you observe and experience gives you insight, you kind of get away with it. So, so what I uh, and just listen the scientific part of it, which I really enjoyed, but my editor at uh, at Amicom Publishers said, "Yeah, that's too that's too much science. The readers don't want to." The readers don't want to be educated. They just want to get to the meat. Give them stuff they can use today, which there's a lot of. But the mirror, what I found fascinating about the mirror neuron thing, so I hope your uh, listening audience is okay with being fascinated as opposed to show me the money. Uh, <laughs> I think they will. Uh, good. Uh, so uh, in the late 1980s, uh, uh, an area in macaque monkeys, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, was discovered, and they... Uh, thought that it, it was related to uh, uh, imitation. So monkeys will imitate other monkeys or even primates. You stick your tongue 
tongue out at a monkey, it'll stick its tongue out at you. And they first called these neurons monkey see, monkey do neurons, but then they later called them mirror neurons uh, because what happens is people will mirror another person. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and it's involved with imitation, learning, and empathy. Like mirror neurons are involved, uh, and it's not just what you see. Like if I mention paper cut, just even saying that on nails on a chalkboard, you know, a third of your uh, listening audience just got the creeps, the chills. Ah, paper cut, Ew. nails on a chalkboard, Ew. you know, and so that, that's your mirror neurons uh, because I've empathized to a certain extent. And what, what I find most fascinating is that they've discovered that in autistic Asperger's people, there seems to be a defect in their mirror neurons, meaning they don't pick up social cues uh, from people. So they don't connect based on that, and they don't have uh, often empathy in the normal social way. Want the full episode? You can get it when you become our premium radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your subscription today. What do you get? You get things like early access to the episodes, commercial-free one-hour episodes, mastermind calls with our guests, freebies from our guests, as well as much more. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription for it's another way for you to start reaching your finish line. But where I took that into Just Listen is what I realized is uh, if you're busy serving the outside world and you're caring about the outside world, there is a hunger in you that the outside world care about you. And that doesn't mean you're a scorekeeper. It just means that when you put out, you, you're working hard for your company, for your boss, there's some desire to get something back, whether it's acknowledgement, appreciation, a raise, or whatever. And so, and when you don't get that back, it creates something that I call the mirror neuron gap, mm -hmm. meaning you're mirroring the world and conforming to what it wants from you, and it's not doing the same to you. And there's a number of things that widen the mirror neuron gap. Uh, someone being sarcastic with you, someone being dismissive, someone ridiculing you, uh, someone interrupting you. All those things widen the mirror neuron gap. Uh, and... What closes it is, uh, in, in fact, I closed the mirror neuron gap when I listened into you accurately and you laughed. Mm -hmm. And the reason you laughed is uh, it was so accurate that it tickled you. Yeah. Definitely, it was, it was, it was, it was, I, I could relate to you absolutely. Uh, and when I give presentations, uh, what I also often show is uh, the, uh, how, tearjerker scenes in movies, the way they work is you'll often have two protagonists who are at odds with each other. And so the whole idea about... I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's a good segue, uh, Dr. Goulston, because uh, I feel like a lot of us is caught up into that, you know, and where, you know, people are, you know, trying to do everything, you know, to please others based off of stereotypes. And, and that's and it kind of and often originates there with the stereotypes. Uh, often, when it comes to stereotypes, um, uh, you know, people are afraid to deal with lawyers. People are afraid to deal with 
pharmacists, people are afraid to deal with psychiatrists. Uh, but you know, you know, it takes a person with an open mind, and it takes a person that's willing to listen. Uh, you know, like your book states, uh, to really, uh, to really see it, to really see what it really is, to really see, um, you know what that person offers, you know, what that specific person contributes to a community as opposed to perhaps what's the stigma. Um, like, 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 for example, when I was younger, uh, when I saw a pharmacist, you know, I thought, oh, well, you know, you, you know, that guy, you know, he just want to get people on drugs, you know, he probably gets a kickback from pharmaceutical companies. And, uh, and unfortunately, it was very ignorant. It was based off of ignorance. I, I put all pharmacists kind of in that boat until mm-hmm. I actually started talking to them. Until I, you know, I've interviewed two, uh, two pharmacists on this show, and to realize that, like, you know what, it's more to the story than that. But my, but my, um, my perception was distorted based off of ignorance. And uh, it's, I would imagine you probably faced the same, uh, probably faced the same thing. Um, you being a psychiatrist, would you say that's right? Oh yeah, you know, psychiatrists, uh, uh, you know, everybody thinks we're crazy and. Uh, even in medical school, there used to be a saying that um, surgeons know nothing and do everything, internists know everything and do nothing, and psychiatrists know nothing and do nothing. <laughs> so, uh, but I'll tell you uh, one thing, because uh, uh, and 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 this, uh, you know, this may become maybe closer to you than you'd even want to talk about. Uh, I'm part of a 501c3, and the two founders are Mm African-American. And the 501c3 is called the popprotocol.org, popprotocol.org. And and it stands for pullover protocol, Mm -hmm. saving lives one traffic stop at a time. And what it is, is it's a program in which inner city teens and young adults uh, and law enforcement are trained on what to do at a traffic stop so that everyone gets home alive and as we've uh, and the uh, LA Sheriff's Department reached out to us because you know they're reaching out to community-based uh, programs and uh, uh, we're starting filming and they're gonna uh, they're gonna push it out to the communities around six of their departments that are getting body cams but what's really interesting about it is that uh, is that the people who take it, these inner city teens and young adults, uh, the pre and after attitude towards police is dramatically different. Because what they realize is, oh, they're not just trying to kill us. They're not trying to just hurt us. Yeah, their job is really, uh, and a lot of the training for law enforcement is look where their hands are mm-hmm. and look for sudden movements. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'll just and so the uh, so not only does it help there be empathy, but the four steps to the protocol, which they like because it, it's uh, uh, it helps lessen violence. What it does is it gives a, a, a cop uh, in the middle of the night pulling you over and your car is dark. You're it's a way of giving that cop control so that he or she doesn't get agitated so the pop protocol follows this thing, and it's totally empathic to the cop because the more control he or she feels, the less trigger happy they are. And the four steps are safe. So if you can pick 
picture this. It's inner city. It's dark at night. So mm-hmm. first thing you do is put your dome light on so they can see inside. Yes. And then, and then, and then the four steps follow safe. And say S stands for show your hands, palms up on the steering wheel or out the window so they can see the whites of your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, a is uh, ask, you can ask why they're pulling you over, but ask for permission. So you might say, uh, I have my registration in the glove compartment, but I also have a registered handgun. Mm-hmm. So ask for permission. Uh, F is follow instructions, and E is exchange respect. Sir, officer, sir, officer, uh, and and when you do that, uh, it it uh, and then what we hope is that when people take the trainings, you'll get a sticker that you put on your car that shows you you're POP certified, so that if a law enforcement officer pulls you over, they can at least take a sigh of relief. Oh, they've been trained on how to interact with us. And I'll, t- and I'll tell you, in this day and age, what we're hearing is if you do this, and many of the cops are just so uptight with everything, that when you can do this and be polite, another, what we're hearing is you'll get a warning mm-hmm. instead of a ticket because they're so grateful mm-hmm. uh, that you took something that, you know, that scares them. For it's sure. dark. I don't know who's in there. You know? So, so go, it's I a hope hard job. Uh, it, it's Oh, it is. Uh, Dr. Golston, if people want to get in contact with you or if they want to follow you, how can they do that? So at Mark Goulston, M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N. So I have 303,000 followers, so I guess that's okay. Uh, uh, LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn. I have, I have several sites and you can visit all of them because uh, each my ADD each has a site so I have markgoulston.com I have goulstongroup.com in which we uh, help companies uh, with regard to deal making leadership and management uh, I co-founded a site called heartfelt leadership in which we interview if you go into the site and check be inspired you'll see 20 interviews with people that you would love you wish would be your leader uh, and probably it would mean the most to me, though, if you go to popprotocol.org and check it out, because uh, uh, that's more immediate. I mean, if we could save lives one traffic stop at a time, uh, that would be really that would be really neat. And and then also, you know, go to Amazon. I have seven books, and uh, uh, my and my books make much more sense than this interview did. But uh, thank you for listening to it. Dr. Goulston, <laughs> thank you for being our guest. My pleasure, Callan. Listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist at Seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.